0: If you'd grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Jonah, that's after Obadiah and before Micah. Not for Micah, but before Micah. It's on page 901. If it helps you on your Bible. It's, uh, Jonah is a, a four chapter book, and we're going to go through the first three chapters this morning. And I won't read everything just so that, uh, for time's sake, so don't like, I'm hungry too, right? So just know that. Um, but we're we're in this this fourth part of this series, and next weekend we're going to finish everything up. But we talked about the principle of giving and going, and that God said we're to go and we're to give. And the great commission is to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel, as Christ followers were to do that. And to give, the Bible says that the great commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And so that's a commandment. That those are two imperatives that were given as Christ followers that we're to give and we're to go. And uh, the second weekend, Tammy talked about the power of giving and what that does for you. Last weekend, Pastor Elisha talked about the power of, uh, of going and talked about it in the lives of students. And today, I just want to talk about um, when God says go, what do you say? And uh, Jonah is a great, great, great book because it deals with this issue of saying no to God. And I don't think I've ever preached the message of what do you do when you say no to God? And that's really what I'm talking about today. Are you ready? Jonah chapter 1, the Bible says this in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because of its wickedness, it has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, it's in your notes, which is on the back side of your bulletin. God said go, and Jonah said no. God told Jonah to go, but Jonah said no. And, and the second blank is, what happens when you say no to God? I really want to spend some time on that today. Because I, again, I've never really heard anybody preach a message on what happens when you say no to God. Because we know that as Christ followers, and again, if you're not a Christian today, you're off the hook. Just sit back, max, and relax. But if you're a Christ follower, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and heaven is your home, we have two imperatives that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, gave us. To give God all of our love and then love our neighbors, as and to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. Whether it's around the corner or around the world, we are called to do those two things. And we're all uniquely gifted, and how that looks and how that feels for everybody it may be different. But the reality is we are to give and to go. And, uh, and so that's exactly what God told Jonah to do. Now, here's some backstory that you need to understand. Jonah is a, uh, a prophet. He is a, um, he's a minister. He's a preacher. He's a man of the cloth. And so he, he loved God, he believed in God, and I know that, that the book of Jonah predates Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross, but, but, but for our context, he would, be a, he would be a Christ follower. He believed in God and served God, to the voice of God, and God spoke to him as a prophet, and then he would go do what God told him to do. And so this isn't a guy who doesn't know the voice of God, this isn't a guy who is, doesn't know God, this isn't a guy who's far away from God. This is a guy who's given his life to the ministry to do what God tells him to do. And prophets were not very favored people. Most of the time they were very misunderstood. They were they were very challenged because they would say things that were about to happen. And a lot of times in that in, in the Old Testament it was gloom and doom. And it wasn't always prosperity and blessings. And so, and you have to understand God's telling Jonah, this prophet. To go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a city of about 120,000 people. But if you took Las Vegas and south-central Los Angeles and you put the two together, you'd have Nineveh. Oh, great joy of your life. And you're going to go and tell those people, hey, guess what? God's going to destroy all of you because you're wicked, you're corrupt, you're bad, you're jacked up. You're going to hell. Could you imagine? If you, because what would happen is it was the most sensual and sinful And it was married with the most violent and obscure, and those two things were together, and that's what was known as Nineveh. Nineveh was not like a great place to go. It wasn't a place you planned a family vacation. It it, it, it was not a good place. So I kind of get the whole deal. Jonah, even though he knows the voice of God, he does not want to do the will of God. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh, this corrupt city. And, And these guys were vile. I mean, uh, just uh, even like um, Western civilization, we, we, we know about, about this, this group of people and how like violent they were and, and what they would do to the people that they would capture. And I don't want right to, we're out before lunch, so I won't go into all that. But it was some pretty grotesque stuff that they would do with anybody who would come in and speak against them. And again, Jonah knew this and goes, God, I don't want the assignment. You ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God told you to do something as a Christ follower, or you felt like God directed you to do something, and you go, I really don't want to go? Maybe God told you to go on a, go on a trip, or maybe God told you to, to go to, to a neighbor, or, or maybe, you know, you need to witness to this person, or say this to this person, or you need to do this, and, and you just go, no, I do not. I want to avoid that with everything within inside of me. Maybe you have sat in a church service, and God's told you to give to a missionary and, or give to a ministry or give to something, and you just go, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sacrifice that. Sure. If you've been serving God for very long at all, you've had this conversation in your head, in your heart with God to go, I don't want to do this. God says go, and you say no. So what happens when that happens? Well, that's one of the reasons why God gives us the Bible. We can see in this book of Jonah exactly what happens. And I'm going to walk through verse 4 all the way through chapter 2. Uh, uh, and uh, kind of uh, 2 verse 10. I'm going to walk all the way through that. I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but I'm going to kind of give you the deal. and It's right there in your notes. The first thing that happens when you say no, we see uh, verse number three, is that win or lose, you choose. Win or lose, you choose. Verse chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from God and went to Tarsus. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah goes to Tarsus. God says, go this way. Jonah goes that way. Can I just tell you something? You are not a rock'em sock'em robot. God is not going to control your life. You are a free moral agent, and you get to choose, even when you're a Christ follower. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean that God's going to make you do. He's going to ask things of you. He's going to request things of you. He, he's going to maybe get in your kitchen every once in a while and on some pots and pans and stir you. But ultimately, it's your decision. Now, whether that's a good decision or a bad decision, whether it's a winner or it's a loser, it's still your choice. Jonah got to choose. You and I have a choice. Today, as I'm preaching, and again, this isn't my word. This is, excuse me, it's God's word. Whether you accept it or reject it, that's your choice. My responsibility is to communicate it, what you do with this between you and God. I'm responsible to God for what I say, not for what you do. You're responsible to God for what you hear. So it's your choice. The second thing when you say no to God is that you lose out on God's blessings. We see this in, in verse, verse 4 through verse 11. Everything begins to go downhill in the life of Jonah. I mean, he he gets the, the ticket on the cruise ship, and all of a sudden the storms of life come, and all of a sudden things start to happen. He tries to sleep it away. He tries to get away from it, and he can't get away from it because he realizes, you know what, I I walked away. When I said no to God, I walked away from the blessings of God. Now Let, let me give you an example of what that's like. That's, that's like... Uh, Have you ever been 16 or have you ever had a 16-year-old in your house? And they say these words, I hate you. I hate your rules. Don't put your rules on me. I can go out there. I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to do this. I'm telling you I know how to live life. I'll never treat my kids like you're treating me. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And the parent so wisely says, okay, go. I'm serious this time. I'm really going to do it. Okay, I'll help you pack your stuff. Because here's the deal. If you you better go into the world while you know everything. (laughs) Right? It's kind of God. It's like, look, if you don't want to do it my way, you can do it your way. But this this knife cuts both ways. You can't have your cake and eat too. You can't go do what you want to do and have the blessings of my word in your life. It's your choice. But this is it. If you want to have the blessings of this book in your life, then you've got to live by it. And if you don't live by this book, then you can't have the blessings. Real simple. So when you say no to God, you're saying, hey, you're like a 16-year-old that goes, I, I've, don't put your rules on me, and I can do it the way I want to, and I don't know that I believe. Fine. But when, what you do is, is that you walk away from the blessings of God. And you are kind of out there on your lonesome, if you would. You kind of get to choose what you want to choose, but you become the product of your own decisions. Because you've said that your ways are higher than God's way and that you know better than that. Because you do realize this, that when God asks you to do something, he's always working things out for your good. God loves us so much that he'll even take what the enemy tries to do to destroy us and to turn around and use it for our good. Not his good, our good. And his will is always the best. And there are times where we think our will is better and our way is better, but ultimately it's God's ways. And and and, and there are times where I've had to say, you know what, I think Aaron's way's a little bit better because Aaron's ways Aaron's ideas are always, there's always a better upside to it, right? And, and, and there's always more, you know, and, and it's better. And God's ways, it's kind of rough. And sometimes it's tough. And that's reason why the Bible says that, that the road of God, the, the, the path that leads to God is narrow and rough and few that find it. Why? Because it seems, it asks a lot of you. And ultimately, it's for your good, but it doesn't feel like good in the moment and in the time. But you get to choose. But when you choose your way, you opt out on God's blessings. Now understand what I'm about to say here. God does not send curses on you when you don't choose to do it his way. When sin entered the world, there was a curse of sin and death that came with sin. And when Jesus Christ came, he redeemed you and I as Christ followers, as Christians. When we accepted him as Lord and Savior, he redeemed us from the curse. Yes, our physical flesh and blood is bound to this earth because That's where we came from. The Bible says from dust we've come and to dust we'll return. And so because this physical flesh and blood is a part of this earth and this earth is cursed with sin and death because of sin that entered into the world and it returns back to it, it's flawed. But your spirit, which is the real you, which is really who you are, it really makes up who you are, is redeemed from the curse. That's the reason why you have to build up the spirit man and crucify the flesh, you crucify that thing that's flawed and you build up that thing that in Christ has become redeemed because that's what lives on. That's what helps you live the life. That's what helps you overcome, not the flesh and blood. And so God doesn't curse you. He sent his son to redeem you from the curse. So why would God curse you if he gave his son so you wouldn't have to be cursed? Do you understand? That makes no sense at all. And I understand there's high-profile evangelicals in the last 10 days that have said, Haiti is under a curse from God. That's why there was an earthquake. Let's just talk about that for a minute because that's really been on my craw for just for a few days. First of all, that holds no theological water. And I understand. I get it. I understand that the mindset that it's coming from. But the Bible says this, that this world... You have to understand that when God spoke humanity into existence, we were not designed in our spiritual DNA to handle sin. That's why sin jacks us up so much. Do you want to know why you struggle with sin so much? Because you're not designed. I'm not designed to do that. And the only thing that gives us a reprieve from that is when Jesus Christ comes into our heart and into our life and he redeems us. He saves us from sin. He redeems us from the curse of sin and death. That's the reason why the power of the message of Jesus Christ, we say, it's the good news, it's the hope, it's the fact that you don't have to go into eternity being lost, that, that you can be redeemed, and that, that there's a God life that you can live this side of eternity that, 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 that will give you the very best life that you can, and that, that will redeem your spirit and redeem you from the curse. And, and that's why it's hopeful. That's the reason why that we're, we're not designed to handle that. We're not designed to handle death. That's the reason why we fight for life. Whatever kind of existence that we have, we fight for it. Why? Because when God created you and I in his image, remember God has no beginning and no end. And although we're finite and we have a beginning, God created us to live forever. But when sin entered the world, all of a sudden the numbers of man, the years of the man's life became numbered and became and diminished. Because God didn't, God created us to live with him forever. But when sin entered the world through free moral choice, it changed everything. And this world, when God spoke it into existence, was not designed to handle this, the, the curse of sin and sickness and disease and death. And so from the beginning of then until now, this world that we live on, it's jacked up. Now, I know that science or, or technology would say, hey, we're getting better. You know, we started out here, and we invented a wheel, and now we've got a car, and now we can go into space. And look, we're progressively getting better And we'd like to think that. But we're not in a state of progression. We're in a state of digression. The reality is is that the sin in this world, the Bible says that the earth groans out. Jesus says, be careful when people say that I'm here and that I'm there. And that in in the last days that there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be turbulences. There will be natural disasters. There will be things happening. Why? Because this world can only withstand so much. And although I'm all for green initiatives and I'm all for, for that we need to take care of the planet and be healthy and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, I, I get all that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we don't have responsibility, but what I'm trying to say is that this world is fatally going to an end. It's going to. Now, whether it looks like Hollywood or not, we don't know, but it's going to an end. The Bible says because God will create a new heavens and a new earth. Why? Because this earth, it's skewed. It's screwed up. It's jacked up. It cannot handle. And so when there are earthquakes and when there are things that happen, those things happen because this world is, is, is living with sin, sickness, and disease that it was never designed for. It's the same reason why bad things can happen to good people and good things can happen to bad people. And you go, why? But, because we're not designed to handle this. This is not what God intended for us go, well, why did God allow that to happen? Are you ready for this? You got your pen out? I'm going to give you the theological answer you've been waiting for. We don't know. Now I could write a book. I could could live like a Boca Raton and write a book and tell you what what it is. But we don't know. We do know this, that God loved us enough that he gave us free moral choice. And why would God give man moral choice when he knew what we would do with it? I don't get it, but he did, and he's God, and I'm not, and that's the reason why. That, that, so when you hear people say, well, that's a curse of God, uh, be real, 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 real careful with that, because God doesn't like this. He's not sin. We live under what's called a dispen- theologically a dispensation of grace that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago came and lived a sinless life, became the perfect sacrifice, and we are living under a dispensation of grace. There will be a day when this world will come to an end. There will be a day when it, it all's over. But you and I have a path to get out of that through Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? But sometimes when you say no to God, your life may feel like you're living under a curse. You're not because it's the absence of the blessings of God in your life. Confusion is the next thing. Confusion and chaos... Will happen in your life and God's will for your life. When you say no to God, there'll become confusion. There'll become chaos in your life. You you, you see in chapter in chapter two uh, that that Jonah gets goes to into swallowed up by the belly of the whale. And uh, again, whether you believe that or not, I believe the Bible's literal. Um, whatever, but the reality is this: is that Jonah has a a conversion experience. Jonah has a has, has a point in time where he comes to the end of himself. Because there's confusion and there's chaos over what God wants. When you say no to God, you begin to go down your own path. And when you go down your own path and you do your own thing, then there becomes confusion in your life and chaos in your life. And I want to talk about this just for a second. Because this is a question I get a lot of times. How do I know the will of God and what do I know? Well, first of all, when God gives you the will of God, the will, His will for your life, very rarely will He ever give you the full enchilada. Right? You're not going to get like the enchilada, and the, the beans and the rice and the chips and the salsa and the Diet Cokes go with it. You, you don't get the whole platter, okay? And we want that, and we want it now. We want to be able to come down and do a touchdown for Jesus just with one knee. Oh, God, give it to me. It's downloaded like, like we get on a high-speed Internet, and then we go live our life. And that would be great, but that would require, you know the reason why God doesn't do that? Because he doesn't require faith. If God, if God tells you to do something, and he gives you the full plan, and all you have to do, that's easy. But God wants us to follow him. He wants us to walk this life out. And and it's that journey that that produces greatness in our lives. It's that journey. It's that struggle that produces strength. And so when God gives it to us, typically he gives it to you in a step because faith is not walking leaps. There's nowhere in scripture for that. But it's a step. Do this and then do this and do this. That's scary sometimes. But that's how God operates. But when you choose to go, "Ah, I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it my way. You kind of have like a Burger King mentality on life. It's my way right away now. God goes, fine, go. But what happens is, is, very quickly, the Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll guide and direct your path. So when you begin to go down your road, what begins to happen is this is there becomes confusion. Oh, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I trust this person? Do I trust that person? Do I take this job? Do I do this? What about this? And this has happened with my kids, and that happened in my marriage, and this happened in my life. Do I marry this person? I'm not married. And, and chaos begins to happen. Why? Because you're on your own. It's like being dropped in the north woods and having no compass to get out. There's no GPS device. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we go, hey, I don't want the Holy Spirit in my life. Hey, I I don't want God to lead and guide my life. God goes, fine, do it your way. Go on with your bad self. Let's just see how well you do. So God works in steps. Now, let, let, let me explain this to you just from a personal example, too, in, my, in our own life. Uh, seven years ago, uh, at the end of last year, Tammy and I came to Life Church, to Germantown, to be the pastors. And when God really spoke to our hearts that this is what we were supposed to do, I would like to be able to tell you that he showed me the full picture. That, 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 but he didn't. When when we were there, I remember uh, I remember very 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 clear very clearly and, and we were had just flown into to to Mitchell, and we were there and I saw Bruce and Terry Heiser were who were about to pick us up and take us to lunch, and we ate at the ch- Chancery in downtown Wabatosa. I always remember restaurants, and um, it's one of my giftings. So um, yeah. I can tell you what we had for lunch, but that's neither here nor there. And so we, we were there, and my phone rang, and Tammy had stepped into the rest restroom, and I could see Bruce and Terry, and we were just about to meet them, and the phone rang, and it was from a church in Oklahoma. We were, we were on staff as executive pastors in Tulsa, and uh, at a great church, and, and uh, we just knew that God was really speaking to our heart that we were supposed to go be a part of a church plant, and so... This didn't really fit what we thought, but we knew that God was in this, and we were going to walk this out, and, and we really felt like this is where God wanted us. And the phone rang, and I took the phone call, and it was from the chairman of the board of this church in, in, in Oklahoma. It was a nice-sized church. It was about 300 people. And uh, great situation, great city, great, great, great everything. And our name had been highly recommended by uh, the district superintendent, some other people, and they were very kind to us. And he called and said, hey, we're very interested in you and your wife, and we know about your ministry. Matter of fact, you preached a few weeks ago at the, ch- the church you are on staff at, and we were in service, and we saw you, and we would really like to extend an invitation for you to come and talk with us. We really think you're the person who needs to be here. And I said, well, I'm actually in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we are meeting with uh, a group of people, uh, and uh, we're probably going to go be a part of this church plant. And... Uh, whoa, but, 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 but before you do that, before you do that, I, I, I really think I'd like to have a chance to talk to you and really, and, and show you, and I just said, well, sir, I, I, I'm just going to take one thing, one step at a time. This is what I feel like God wants to do. If I'm totally wrong on this, and these people don't want us, and this is not God's will, then I'll call you on Monday, but I, I, I'm just, I really feel like this is God's will. And my wife is here, and I've got to go, and these people are waiting for us. Now I'd like to be able to tell you that when I got here, that God just opened up the windows of heaven in that hotel room. And and I would like to be able to tell you that God said, look, in seven years, here's what I'm going to do. In seven years, I'm going to take the annual budget from $120,000 a year to $1.7 million. In seven years, you're going to see close to 1,000 people saved. In seven years, you're going to see the church grow from 100 people to a high of 1,200. In seven years, I'm going to do, in seven years, you're going to own that shopping center. And I'm going to build a Starbucks just because you like coffee so much, Aaron. And in seven years, that's why that Starbucks is there, don't you know? I'm telling you, promises from the Lord. That's why there's a Sonic in Milwaukee. Hallelujah. Holla. I'm telling you, man. And it's just the longer I stay here, the more he brings. I think he's going to bring a Ruth Chris right to Germantown. Anyhow. I'm going to kind of get a witness in the house. Anyhow, I'm just saying, he didn't say any of that. You know what I got from God? And I would pray and And that's not the breath of God. That was how stinking cold it was outside. (laughs) Looking at my wife going, have we lost our mind? Didn't know anybody. Didn't have a connection. We did did one service with 100 people at 10 o'clock. But here's what I knew. God told me, this is what I want you to do. Now, I could have said no to God and said yes to that church of 300. But I would have missed out on one of the biggest blessings in my life. I would have missed out on everything that God's done for me. I'm telling you, I live life such in the sweet spot. I have to get up in the morning and pinch myself and go, is this really my life? Because I'm getting to do everything that God's put in my heart, and then some. And and it just keeps getting better and better and better. And it's so awesome to be here. And when I'm away for vacation or to travel to do ministry somewhere else, I miss it. I'm looking at my watch going, this is what they're doing about this time, this is what they're doing about that time. You know, I, I... But God doesn't give you all of that. God doesn't give you the full platter. God gives gives you a step. And all he told us is that this is where I want you to go. And were there times where you're discouraged? Sure. There's times you want to chuck it? Yeah. There are times I would grab a Starbucks and say to myself, Self, there's a place where there's green grass right now. (laughs) Self, there's places where there's leaves on the trees right now. You think I'm lying. I I, I go eat at TGI Fridays at Miller Park from time to time. When I really get depressed, if you ever see me there, I'm in a depressed mode. Because that's the only place where there's green grass in Milwaukee. And I say to myself, self, I prophesied this. In 60 days, and 90 days, my yard will look like this. It will no longer be a winter wonderland. Nobody will be shaking up the snow globe anymore in my life. It will look like Because sometimes doing the will of God is not the most comfortable thing. But God blesses you. But when you say no, you forfeit and you give up on that. And I'm going to say one more last thing. It's in your notes on this subject. If you don't want to go, then say no to Jesus. If you don't want to go, then say no to Jesus. What do you mean by this, Aaron? Here's what I mean. If you don't want to give and you don't want to go, you don't want to fulfill the Great Commission and live out the Great Commandment, then don't be a Christian. Did he just say that? Let's rewind that one. If you don't want to live the Great Commission, if you don't want to live the Great Commandment, then don't be a Christian. You're wasting my time and God's. And I go, is he really serious? Yeah, I think he is. But here's the reason why. Because these are two imperatives that he gave. These aren't Life Church's ideas. This isn't my idea. This isn't something I conjured up. This is what God's Word says. And God's Word says if you want to be a Christ follower, Jesus said this, look. If you want to follow me, then you've got to be willing to give up houses and homes... You've got to be willing to give up lifestyles and luxuries. You've got to be able to, willing to give up mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, brothers, and, la- and put everything down and follow me. You've got to crucify your flesh daily and follow me. You've got to pick up your cross and follow me. And the road's going to be rough, and the road's going to be narrow, and it's not going to always be the easy street. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. There's going to be people that don't like you just because you follow me. And if you don't want that, then don't follow me. That's what he said to the disciples. Because here's what he said. And then he points to the religious leaders of the day, and he goes, those people are roadblocks to people coming to me. And people have to step over their dead, stinky bones in order to get to me. And if you're not willing to follow me the way I'm telling you to follow me, this is what Jesus said, then don't be like them who basically stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of the scornful. Do not live life like these people. Because they think they're okay, but they're going to hell. If you want to follow me, if you want to be a Christ follower, you've got to lay it down. That's the reason why it amazes me that people argue with God over giving to missions. It amazes me that people argue with God about bringing the tithes. It amazes me that people that call themselves Christians want to take a pair of scissors to the Bible and cut out what they don't like. We don't have a choice. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like everything in this book. Everything in this book doesn't really jihad with my life. Everything in this book is not always easy. There are some things that really jack with me that I have to wrestle with. But if I'm going to be a Christian... If I'm going to be a Christ follower, then I've got to be willing to do this lock, stock, and barrel or walk away from it completely. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're better off to go have biscuits and gravy at Cracker Barrel and quit playing games with God than you are to waste your time in here if you're not going to live it out. Because you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. It's by relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way to have that relationship is to say, I surrender all. Palms up, God. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. You can't sit there and go, hmm, this week, do I really want to fast and pray? That's just, ah. Really? All right, I got that out of my system. If you don't want to do it, then don't be a Christian. And if you're kicking tires on this thing called faith, I'm telling you, that's what it requires to be a Christ follower. If you want to have your cake and eat it too, this won't work for you. You'll try it and it'll come up short because you're doing it in and of yourself. But if you're really willing to lay it down, God has a plan for your life that's unreal and unimaginable. I'm telling you. I, I know I'm, I'm 38. I know I'm not the oldest guy in the room. I'm telling you. I have lived my life for God. In junior high, in high school, in college, and in my adult life. And I have never regretted a day of it. Oh, I have friends. (laughs) If I could go back, if I could, and if they have the case of if I, I I don't. Because I decided a long time ago God's ways were better than my ways. I decided a long time ago I wasn't going to argue with God. I I decided a long time ago I was going to check my type A personality and just do what he wanted me to do. And I'm just telling you life's been good. Life may stink for you because you're trying to have it your way and try to do it God's way, and you can't do it that way. You've got to come to the end of yourself, crucify your flesh, take up your cross, and follow him. And some of you may go, well, we're just kind of checking this church out and seeing if we like it. You're a little rough. Well, this is about as nice as I get. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like me, love me, hate me, whatever. That's what it says. But I'm telling you, it's the best life. So what happens when you say yes to God? What happens when you say yes to God? I want to talk to you about the blessings of Go very quickly as we wrap up. And to kind of set this up, I want you to see a, a video clip of a businessman in our church, Telvin Jeffries, uh, and uh, how his own personal testimony of how he said yes to God and what God did. Check this video out.
1: Hi. I'm Telvin Jeffries, and this is why I go. Well, I should start by saying that um, almost uh, 10 years ago, God um, one day showed me a vision of me standing in front of um, a large audience of people and talking about um leadership and business principles um, and how they could be leveraged in the kingdom and um for a number of years i just kind of forgot about it and didn't even think it really mattered or that ever was going to happen it was like you know i had this crazy thought at that point in my in my professional career i'd achieved so much and all the things that i really wanted but still, I felt like I just felt empty. I felt like I'm really just going through the motion for myself. And two days later, Pastor Aaron asked me out to lunch and he threw out the idea of going to Ecuador and doing this mission trip. And for me, this was like amazing because it's this thing that 10 years ago, I see with my mind's eye, And then for some reason in my prayer time, it comes to my mind that I'd forgotten and i started to doubt. That I basically said, God, I I believe you. And two days later, I get asked to do this. Um, And so for me, this is like a fulfillment of like something that he actually put down inside of me. And I feel like every day, Um, that, you know, every time I get to go to Ecuador, I feel like I am fulfilling a little bit more of what he showed me. One of the experiences that happened that probably was the most profound for me was after spending a day, um, actually presenting, I really thought it was just a bunch of material. We, uh, you know, it was over and our guide took us to a place called the center of the earth. And they had a number of shops. And the, the shop worker started talking to the actual, to the guide that was with us. And, um, and I really didn't understand what she was saying. But after a while, she walked up to me with this trinket, a bracelet actually, and she handed it to me and she said, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing to help change our country. And for me, I thought for a moment, she didn't say thanks for what you're doing for me or what you're doing for my community, but for the nation. And that for me, like it actually sealed it because this is how important this is to them. The information, the the training, the biblical knowledge and putting it in a context of leadership for them they look at it as it's going to change their nation and make it a better place and to me i can't think of any better reason to go you know as i think about it one of the things that i think really was really uh, profound there was that after three years of visiting ecuador and seeing the 200 people year after year, twice a year, I started at some point to kind of question whether or not I was making an impact. And on the very last day, they had people who went through the program, they stood up and they gave testimonials. And one guy who actually went through all of the sessions would go back each time and he would train other people. And through that process, he actually became a pastor. And there are several other stories like that where people either became pastors who actually did the training or other people who were trained actually became pastors. And when you think about 200 people who were trained, who went out and trained 2000 other people think about the power of that. That is amazing. And what we can only really imagine what the impact of those 2000 people will be.
0: So what are the blessings of going? Let's let's look at this real quick. First of all, there's clarity of God's will and purpose for your life. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, after he has this experience, the Bible says this, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and Jonah went to Nineveh. And now Nineveh was an important city. A visit required three days. And on the first day, Jonah started out into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. And the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest least, put on sackcloth, which sackcloth was a sign of repentance. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, Again, repentance, and set down in the dust, and he issued a proclamation to Nineveh. Verse ten, and God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways. He had compassion on them, and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Whenever God tells you to go, that doesn't change. And whenever you begin to do the will of God, clarity will begin to come. And, and, and you'll begin to understand God's will and his purpose. You, it doesn't mean that you may not have questions, but you'll have this peace that walks with you that, hey, I'm doing the right thing. And this is being, okay, I see this connected. And like in my own life, the longer that I have, whenever God's told me to do something, the, the, the more that I've walked that out one step in front of the other, the more the pieces began to come together. And you go, okay, I see this and I see that and I get this. And, 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 and the, the whole thing comes together. And sometimes we go, well, I just don't know the will of God in my life, and I just don't get this, and, and, and I'm just kind of, can I just tell you that as you follow God, as you follow His will and His way, He will begin to clarify things, and they'll begin to become more focused, And focused, but there's a trust factor that's there. And, 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 and following the will of God will, will help you uh, to understand his will and his purpose for your life. And it will become more and more and more clear as you go along. And that's a blessing. Because so many people, man, they don't know where their life's ending up. They really don't know what their trajectory is. They've got some plans and some goals. But they really don't get the whole big picture. It's because they're trying to do it in and of themselves. The second thing, verse 2 says, that God will use you. The Bible says that God used Jonah. God will use you. And this is one of the incredible things to be, this is a blessing. Because something happens when God the Father begins to use you and I as his children. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about mission trips because, uh, and, and outreach. Because all of a sudden when you sense that God's using you to touch someone else, purpose is created in your life every single time. And God will use you and God wants to use you. Listen, you may go, but man, you don't understand. I'm just telling you. As a Christ follower, He told us to go and He told us to give. He told us to give of ourselves and to go. And, and when you do that, when you do that, whether it's around the, across the street, around the corner, across the room, or around the world, when you do that, God will begin to use you. That's why I'm so passionate about mission trips. That's why I'm so passionate about outreach. That's why I'm so passionate because if you sit on these seats week in and week out and all you hear is a message and a message and a message and a message, but you don't take it and you don't do anything with it. It's of no value. You, know, you really kind of sit, soaking sour like, like milk sitting on a shelf. But when you are used of God, when you get out there, God will begin to flow through you, and you'll be his hands, and you'll be his feet. I'm telling you, this next year, we're going to be going to, um, to like a, a country, Montenegro. Montenegro uh, is, a, is a, a Croatian, I believe it's Croatian, I don't think it's Serbian, but uh, on the Adriatic Sea, and it's been left war-torn, and there's refugee camps, and, and, and just it's just uh, not the nicest place in the world you want to go up into the countryside where the people are living. And we're going to go there this summer in June, and we're going to be God's hands and feet extended. And we're going to we're we're, we're going to go and we're going to wipe those little faces and we're going to feed them and we're going to be we're going to give them water and we're going to help them and we're going to be just we're just going to work with the local church there and we're going to just compassionately love people. And I'm telling you, you'll never get their faces out of your head. You'll never get that out of your heart. This next year, we're going to go to um to to uh, um Ethiopia. And we're going to partner with Souls for Jesus, and we're going to raise, have a big fundraiser—not not 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 of money, but of shoes—and we're going to get the shoes over there. And we're going to give you an opportunity for you to get on a plane and to go to and and to go to Ethiopia and to go there and to sit there and to begin to wash the feet of those children and take shoes that you've given and that you've helped and put them on the feet of those kids. I'm telling you, you'll never forget the feet. You'll never forget. That's the hey. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus Christ said. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Because in that refugee camp, you're going to serve Jesus. On the feet of those children on the street, you're going to serve Jesus. You're going to see Jesus in the eyes of those kids. You want to see Jesus? It's not at a revival meeting. It's not at some big camp meeting. You want to see Jesus? You go to the most impoverished, the most horrific places of the world where the stench and the smell is almost overtaking you, and you love them, and in that moment, you'll serve the Savior. That's what Jesus said. We're going to go to a marvelous city like Paris, France. Wow, He doesn't want to go to Paris. Trust me, we'll eat good. And we're going to go there, but we're not going there for, ministry, for, 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 for for international travel. We're going to go there for missions, and we're going to serve in that city, a church that we've been giving tens of thousands of dollars to over the last 18 months to help. They're planting a church, and they'll have their first official start, Easter Sunday of this year. And we're going to be there, and we're going to work the streets. We're going to work in the homes. We're going we're to work in the ministries, and we're going to do that, and, and we're going to go. And ladies, there's going to be a trip for you to go to Central America, to Costa Rica, and you're going to w- walk into orphanages, and you're going to hold babies and love on children. And we're going to have something for your, for, for your middle school students and for your high school students. The middle school students are going to be going to an inner city in America, and the high school students are going to be going somewhere probably to Central or South America at this point. And, and, and I'm telling you, and you go, but I just don't know if my baby's old enough to go. I'm telling you they are hallelujah. I'm telling you, you need to get those kids and give them some shorts and a t-shirt and some and some, some some tennis shoes and send them on their way because they're going to be in a land where there are no DS's and there's in a land where there's no iPod shuffles and there's no, oh hallelujah, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And they're going to come back because they're going to serve people in the inner city and they're going to serve people in third world country and they're going to thank you for the bed that they have to sleep in. I know it's a miracle, but just listen, I believe it's going to happen. They're going to thank you for the clothes that they have have because they're going to go to a land that doesn't have Hollister and a land that doesn't have Abercrombie and a land that doesn't have Aeropostale and they're going to go to a land without malls. oh say it's not so it exists in the world and they're going to see it smell it touch it and they're going to come back and say thank you mom and dad and you're going to be so excited you're going to say can I send my third grader next year can I just send all of them because God will use you God will use them God will use us The next thing is God will always perform his word. God did exactly what he told. When Jonah went, God showed up. And God used him, but God performed his word. Can I just tell you that God's word doesn't change? Malachi 3 says God changes not. And the fact that we have an imperative to give and to go, God does not change. He doesn't change. And here's the greatest part. Verse 10 says that others will be saved from your obedience. Because you go, people's lives are going to be changed. Because you go, because Jonah went to Nineveh, the city was saved. From the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom, from the in, from the out, it was saved. Imagine. Because you go. Now, I want to wrap this up. I'm passionate about this, if you can't tell. Just a little excited. And I want to take every roadblock I can out of you not being able to go on a missions trip. I know you can send people, and I'm going to ask you to do that too. I'm going to ask you to give. I get that. But I'm just telling you, it will change you. So here's what we're going to do. And I told our business administrator before I preached this message, I don't want to give him a coronary. I I told him, here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to take every missions trip that we have, and we're going to price them like we typically price them. Here's what the airfare, the hotel, the transportation, food, how we do everything. We're going to do that. And then we're going to take the cost of that trip and then we're going to cut it in half. So we guesstimate at this point Paris will probably cost about 1000 bucks airfare, everything to go. I'm just telling you, you cannot get to Paris and do what we're doing for 1000 bucks. But we're going to do it because I want you to get there, to go. Again, we're not going to the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and we're not going to go. We, we will eat, but, but we're not going to go. This isn't international travel. That's totally different. International missions is a completely different thing. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you want on a trip with my wife, she's way more hardcore than I am. <laughs> in Ethiopia, I was going, really? Y'all? Really? Like, where's the safari? Are <laughs> you going to stop in Kenya? How about stopping in Rome for a couple of days and just, no. Nah all about those kids all right cool that's great go with me no I'm just teasing Um, (laughs) but in all seriousness we're gonna go and we want you to go I don't know how I I can't pay your way and honestly if I did it wouldn't mean what it means to you for you to have an investment but I want you to go and so next weekend we're gonna give you here basically the some preliminary times dates that you can, you don't have to sign up, but you can say, hey, I'm interested in going, so you can go to an information, next weekend it's just checking off, just say, I want to go to an informational meeting so you can hear about it, because we want you to go, because I'm telling you it will change your life. I'm telling you it will change your life. Whether you speak or you don't speak, whether you, you work with your hands or you don't work with your hands, we're going to have something for everybody. We want you to go. And this is going to extend too for the students. Uh, for, for, for our junior high, for our middle school and high school students that we're going to cut the price of the trip in half. And some of you, because of other reasons, you may not be able to go, and, and I'm, you may be able to send somebody or, or help or give or whatever. We're, we're going to do that. Because I don't know how we're going to pay for it. Is that unsettling to you? It's really unsettling to Gary Privilege. But that's okay. But I really believe this is what we're supposed to do, so we're going to do it. And we're going to believe, God, that we're going to have 100 people on mission trips this next year. Let's pray. Father... I thank you.